0: And welcome to the Irish Times Business Podcast. Uh, I'm Tom Lyons, Senior Business Correspondent of the Irish Times. And in this week's podcast, we'll be discussing Apple and Facebook, two of the world's hottest stocks, what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. Uh, in studio, we've got the Irish Times' Kira O'Brien and Niall Harbison, Joint Chief Executive of pure Slides, an online media hub for brands. Uh, I'll start with yourself, Niall. Uh, just looking at the week that's in it, you know, we saw Apple... Uh, losing $10 billion in value, its share price falling. You know, at one stage, it fell by 8%, then it fell a little bit further. Uh, are you surprised at this sort of level of fallback?
1: Not really, because it's, it's one of the most overhyped stocks in in the business in terms of how, how closely it's followed. The, the stat that really stuck out for me was uh, the 13 billion profit in one quarter. I actually had to reread it. I thought it might be 13 billion revenue, but it was 13 billion in profit in one quarter, which is... Absolutely remarkable, but I think analysts, rightly or wrongly, think they're they're all out of products at the moment. And what do you think, Kira? I mean, they you know they were saying that they sold fifty
0: one million units of the iPhone in the quarter. I mean, that was a record, uh, and yet everyone is saying that they're doing it wrong. I mean, that would look like success to me.
2: I think it's it's not a case of how much they sell, but it's what they're bringing down the line. I mean, if you look at the last few products that Apple have put out, it's all been kind of extensions of what's already there. So, you you had the iPhone. The iPhone was something new and unknown when it came out first. Same with the iPad. The iPad was pretty much a game changer for Apple. And since then, all they've done is refine it slightly or add a new feature to it. I mean, now you're looking at you're looking at incredibly crowded market, both the tablet. And the smartphone market. I mean, you're looking at companies like Samsung, LG, Sony. They're all coming out with phones that are arguably, for some people at least anyway, uh, better than what Apple can offer. They've got bigger screens, whereas Apple has kind of doggedly stuck to pretty much the same form factor with a few kind of minor tweaks over the years. I mean, you're going back to something that came out in 2007 that's really, I think, what's at the heart of the problem is that investors are looking for the next big thing from Apple. They're looking for something that's insanely great, you know, as as they kept describing products before. They want something that's a game changer and Apple just haven't given it to them. And there's been hints that they might, you know, there was talk of you know, the Apple TV set, there was talk of a smartwatch, but Apple hasn't actually delivered on any of that yet. And that's the problem.
0: And uh, what do you think, Niall? I mean, like, the, the, as Kira was saying there, you know, Apple is stressing, it's like, look at us, you know, uh, look at our legacy, imagine what we can do in the next 30 years. Uh, look, that's not how investors think. Uh, what do you think they need to do straight away?
1: I think genuinely the, the, nobody has the answer. The, the one thing that's... Uh, the, the stock has been fluctuating like crazy over the last couple of years and, and dropping... Apple, throughout it all, remain totally unflappable. They don't comment on any rumours. They don't uh, tell you what's coming down the track. I mean, those are pretty educated guesses around uh, a watch and, and a TV. They'll probably happen. But um, it's the, the, the fact that the market are, are just not sure. If Look, like, if they do come out in three months and they, they, they wheel out a watch or a game changing product like that the stock will, will double really, really quickly because it, it's all about the excitement and the belief and, and people just don't reckon they have it at the moment.
2: I think it's important to note as well that not everything Apple puts out, not everything it touches turns to gold. I mean, the original Apple TV wasn't really quite, as uh, suppose, as successful as people would have thought. I mean, we think of Apple, we think of the iPhone and the iPad and that's, you know, you're talking millions and millions of units every quarter. But, I mean, there's, there's been things that Apple have done that have kind of sunk without a trace, Um You know, they tried their own social network through iTunes. That did nothing. You know, just because Apple makes it doesn't necessarily mean it will be good. But also, you also take into account that just because somebody is first to market with something doesn't mean that it's going to be the best product going. I mean, there was a lot of criticism of Samsung when they brought out the Galaxy Gear that maybe they'd rushed it to market. And there's been so many of those smartwatches that have crossed my desk that... You, kind of, you look at them, you think, right, it could be better. So when Apple do bring out something like a smartwatch, if that's the line they want to go down, I mean, I, th- I think it's fairly obvious that they are looking at wearables. They are looking at expanding outside of the smartphone and tablet market because it is so saturated. That I think when, when they do something, people will take notice of it. Obviously, it's just going to have to be really, really good, though.
1: And that's the point is, like, they have... $13 billion in in profits per quarter. They have $150 billion in the bank. They're not under any pressure. Like, the, the analysts and, and us outsiders are clambering for something, but they're working on something and they're working on it very precisely, very methodically, and it'll be brilliant when it does come out, hopefully. I mean, even... Um, if you look at it, I think they've got 400 million people's credit card details now, so uh, through through iTunes. So one thing that they, they might go into is, is online payments. Uh, so if you think your phone will probably become your wallet in, in some way and you'll pay with, with things through your phone, lots of people at Google have messed it up in the same way that other companies have messed up smartwatches. But Apple will come in with their 500 million credit cards and they'll probably do it right and open a new huge revenue stream. I mean, that's one possibility.
0: Do, do you think, Kira, when you look at uh, Google, Google buying Nest for three point two billion dollars. I mean, this is a company that you know it's making smart devices. It's founded by people who were involved with Apple. Is that a big? Was that a big miss by Apple that they that they didn't buy this company, or is it something that you think that they'll go into themselves anyway?
2: I'm not sure if it's a miss by Apple as such, because if you look at the patents that Apple has been filing, I mean, last year they filed a couple of patents, one of which was for a, a sort of a smart home remote that would control different things around the house. There was something else, I think, for. Um, basically technology that would uh, link in with smartphones. So you could say if you walked into the house or you got near your house, your security alarm would turn off, your lights would turn on, you know, just kind of make that, that kind of transition home a bit easier. So it's obviously that it's something they're lo- they're looking at. Now, just because they file a patent doesn't necessarily mean they're going to make it. But I think that's really where, I mean, I think Intel were, were kind of, shown the way in that one as well at CES and they're saying this is where they think things are going to go this is the market that they see that they can, can dominate in because if you're looking at the existing markets i mean i've said smartphones and tablets they're saturated you have apart from the the big guys you also have all these smaller players say in the likes of of china and asia that are putting out low cost um, low-cost products that, you know, it's just basically flooding the market. It's very difficult, I suppose, at this stage for any company to make a mark in the smartphone market unless they come out with something really amazing. And that's what we're missing.
0: And do you think that, Niall, you know, like what Kira mentioned there, China, that, you know, this is a, something that, Apple is just too expensive, it's too posh a product to really break, to gain market share in, in the in the really fast-growing markets.
1: It is. I mean, you know, like in the West or here, we're, we're perfectly willing to pay €500 Euros for a phone, but that's a lot of money in, in some other countries, which is what Apple tried to tackle with a, a cheaper phone, the 5C, but I don't think that really hit the mark. Um, but, one, I mean, the one thing that's that's sort of we haven't touched upon is, you had one of the biggest product geniuses of possibly ever in consumer tech in, in Steve Jobs and and you can't just take him out and he he actually set up the company brilliantly in terms of they'd lots of cash they'd a bit of product runway they had the best campus in the world loads of different things but you take him out of the equation no matter how talented Johnny Ive is or different people it's he's irreplaceable
2: i think as well if if you've been to any of the the apple events you know, i was at a couple of the the events in london where they were shown that the the stream from Live from San Francisco, um, watching Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs was a brilliant marketer.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, he could sell. I, I honestly think he could sell you water. Um, he could make anything. I mean, you were sitting there watching this man talk about products and services you already had. I mean, FaceTime for a start. I mean, it's and they, they were talking about this like this was this fantastic new invention when really you know. Video calling over 3G was fairly commonplace. It just wasn't used by people in, not particularly well, in Ireland anyway. It just wasn't really all that popular. But they were making this sound like this fantastic new product that you had to have. I mean, I think it's it's important to remember Apple wasn't the first smartphone. It wasn't the first touch screen device. You know, they weren't the first music player. But they just made it seem like they were, and they made it seem like they were the best. You know, and for a lot of people, they are the best. So, I mean. There's a, there's a touch of that to it as well. I mean, obviously, he was a, a product genius. He was also a marketing genius. And I don't think that's something you can, as Nile says, yeah. as, as easily replace.
0: And one of the, the questions which sort of, you know, rattled Tim Cook, the chief executive, came from a Barclays analyst. And he sort of said, you know, are you still a growth company? Uh, and the, the answer wasn't that committal. Uh, what, what do you think, Nile? I mean, can Apple return to being a big growth company or is it just so big it's a law of numbers? You can't keep growing like that forever.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's pretty hard to... It all comes down, all of this comes down to do they have another product up their sleeve? And I think they do. It's how quickly they can get it. I think this is really... 2014 is the big year, like you were saying earlier on, that there's slight iterations, thinner iPads, faster chips, all that sort of stuff. That's that's wearing thin now. If this calendar year, they don't come out with an absolute game changer, then I think you could see the stock hovering and even dipping off a bit further.
2: I think what's what's slightly worrying is that now people are starting to talk about the iPhone having a bigger screen. That to me is not really uh, that's not a game changer. It might be for Apple and Apple's core customer base, but if you have a, a Samsung phone or an LG phone, you already have access to you know, to devices with large screens. I mean, the whole idea of and I hate the word phablet, but the whole idea of of that product being something new for Apple. Yeah, okay, it's it's new to Apple, but. Everybody else has already seen it for the last two years. So, you know, I mean, I really hope that they have something more than that. And I, I genuinely think they do. I mean, I wouldn't be writing Apple off just yet. I think anybody who writes them off is, is a, probably a bit foolish. But I mean, but we're not we're not talking about, you know, a stage uh, where Apple were at a few years ago. Well, a good few years ago now where they were a few days away from going bankrupt. You know, they're, they're in a good position.
0: No, just looking at one other stock, which which I, I know you're very interested in, which is Facebook. Uh, we saw their chief operating officer, Sheryl Sandberg, you know, she became a do- dollar billionaire there the other day. Like, if she holds on to her stock for, say, three to five years, do
1: you think she'll still be a dollar billionaire? Will she be a multi-billionaire or will it not be maybe worth so much? It's a, it's a very interesting company, Facebook. I mean, they, again, saw phenomenal growth. And I think the IPO was... Stifled their innovation, and they're 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 more answerable now to analysts and bankers, and and uh, they're sort of moving quarter by quarter into growth. If, if, you could argue both sides of the, the, the scale. I, I think they're really starting to hit some, some choppy waters. And I think that evidence of that is, if you look at some of the people cashing out, Sandberg included, and Mark Zuckerberg, and the David Ibersman, the, the CFO, they're all taking large chunks of money out of the company at the moment in, in terms of cashing in their shares. And that's a pretty sure sign.
2: Actually, to be honest, I'm surprised Facebook is still as popular as it is. I mean, if you had told me... I'm three years ago that they, people would still be signed up to it in millions and they are i mean i know there's been an awful lot of talk about young people leaving facebook in droves which i think may be a bit overblown but i mean it, these kind of things like social networks you saw it with bebo you saw it with myspace they have their time and then they're done but facebook has actually managed to stick around it's kind of stuck around that little bit longer um i'm not sure uh, where it's going to go exactly i don't think that they have a massive membership problem in that you know that that 13-year-olds and 14-year-olds aren't signing up for Facebook or they're leaving Facebook because, you know, there's always people to replace them when their member numbers are still growing. But I suppose, you know, looking ahead, you know, if these people who aren't joining now still kind of hold out in the future, well, then they may have a problem.
0: And uh, Niall, I mean, I mean, like, I know my, my mother uses Facebook. Uh, my elderly aunt uses Facebook It's sort of a social network which just really isn't that cool anymore. I mean, do you think that's the problem that there's just other social
1: networks which are a lot more fun? Um, There definitely is and I mean, I think uh, uh, personally, I I use WhatsApp quite a lot and if I speak at a conference, I've started asking people in the audience how many of them use WhatsApp and I'm seeing the same sort of amount of people in a room putting their hand up that there used to be with Facebook and I think it goes back to if you go out and get drunk, not that you would get drunk and and fall around the place, you're not going to share, you don't want your mom or your aunt seeing that picture but you'll happily pop it into a WhatsApp group where you're three or four really good friends so I think we're moving towards a a more private web, and a more, um, ironically, it's taken the younger generation in their teens to show us that privacy is is quite important, and that maybe p- posting pictures is not great for your future employment prospects and.
2: And yet they still do it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: and uh, just one last question uh, for you, Kira. You know, you're, you're saying you're still bullish on Apple, but what would be your view overall on Facebook? Negative? Would that be right to say? Or
2: no, I wouldn't say negative. Um, I'm kind of. I, I have to be honest. I sit on the fence on this one because I think Facebook do some stuff really well, and obviously they've, they've bumped up the, the mobile side of things because that obviously would have been a concern not so long ago that they weren't making very much revenue from the mobile side of things and everybody well not everybody but a good chunk of Facebook's users are mobile um they still have an awful lot of people visiting every day as opposed to you know maybe checking in once a week I, I don't think that's cause for concern just yet but then again if I had uh stock options I might be looking
1: at it a bit more closely
0: and then Niall if you had some money in your pocket which would it be Facebook or Apple
1: I'm not the person to ask. I invested in Apple at 700, and it's now at 550 two years ago, and and that was a mistake. And Facebook, I would, uh, I'd get my money out of there straight away. I, I think they've still got phenomenal growth, like on mobile. They they switched mobile advertising on, and it was a billion dollar industry within two quarters, which which is phenomenal. So they're not like none. Neither of these companies are in any sorts of trouble uh, on the bigger picture, but I'd, I'd be very worried about Facebook. 2014 is a big year for Apple, so I, 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 I would hope that they'll come back with all guns blazing.
0: And Niall Harbison, Joint Chief Executive for Pure Slides and the Irish Times' owned. Keir O'Brien, thanks for coming on. And in the second half of the Irish Times Inside Business podcast, we're joined by Anne Horan, the Chief Executive of the DCU Rhine Academy for Entrepreneurs, who's launched a new accelerator programme for female entrepreneurs trying to start their own business and also in studio is Anne Donnelly who has done just that uh, by co-founding Darling Cocktails, an Irish startup which sells premium ready-to-made uh, cocktails made with Irish spirits and ingredients. Uh, Anne Horne, I'll go to you first. Uh, Good afternoon. W- w- mm. Just tell me Anne, first of all, like why you think an accelerator program is, is needed for female entrepreneurs and why, why you decided to launch this?
4: Okay, um, this is something that we've been thinking about for some time. The Female Accelerate, what what it is, is a programme aimed at companies less than 10 years old with good growth potential, but the specific thing is they need to be led by women, so female entrepreneurs. Um, And we have been running a propeller programme aimed at uh, high-tech startups for three years now, hugely successful, but one of the things we noticed is that almost all the applications were from men. So it's something that we wanted to do to uh, address this. Um, Actually, the applications just closed yesterday, so we got 135 high quality applications um, which is kind of on par with our existing programmes, but I suppose with previous programmes we would have got maybe a handful from women and now we have 135 applications from high quality women.
0: And how many companies are you going to work with, Anne? And what sort of skills are you going to teach them? Uh,
4: So we're going to work with, we're going to select from 135, we have the really difficult job, I suppose, of uh, selecting 10. So 10 individuals or teams. Uh, all-female-led. What we're going to do with them is, first of all, we're going to give them a grant of 2,500 to help fund operations during the programme. We're going to run a a series of workshops, um, and then we will be doing mentoring and networking with them. Now, the workshops, will a lot of them will look very similar to the existing programme, but uh, we will also have a a second stream focused on the challenges for women, so things like self-belief, confidence, ambition, leadership skills, and, and that type of thing.
0: So mm. the, the program will be quite different in some ways to, to Yes, programs.
4: some of it will look the very same. So we'll do business model canvas, lead lean startups and all those things. But alongside that, we'll have a separate stream with, with different um, tutors dealing with these special challenges.
0: And, and Donnelly, you, you started your own business uh, back in March 2012. Uh, is this the sort of program you would have liked to have taken part in?
3: Um, This is a great programme. Actually, I had started a first business uh, probably 10 years before that. So it was after I left the bank. And uh, so I set up the e-learning company. And um, when I was working Bank of America, so I'd have a good number of years actually, um, you know, out there in business. But then I um, joined then the other programme that um, uh, Anne was also running um, a year and a half ago. And that was absolutely excellent for us. That was the um, Business uh, Innovation Programme. Um, this programme, now that is running, uh, would absolutely be fantastic for female entrepreneurs. And part of the reason is, one is that you actually get your upfront funding, which is um, a major, major source of actually holding people back, I think in the in the early stages. And, um, and then also all of the other uh, attributes of the programme, you know, um, the other components, the confidence building, the networking and the working in groups um, sharing of information. All of that is all vitally important. And I think particularly important for female entrepreneurs because um there aren't so many out there that we can actually see as role models um uh you know uh, things are now changing and um and we're seeing sort of u.s. multinationals and those kind of companies and we're seeing women to the fore and uh, leadership and leadership skills to the fore but um it's not so prevalent in the types of courses that are actually available um at this point in time so it's a, i think it's a very it's a cutting-edge program basically
0: and and you you mentioned there that you spend time at Bank of America like like over twenty years was it mm-hmm. was it tough you know leaving you know the structure of a company like that to go out and and, and go out on your own?
3: Well, you know, I was actually thinking about that um, question earlier on because I thought it was a great question. Um, for the last ten years that I was with the bank, uh, I was actually vice president and headed up their international sales, so it put me in a sort of a unique position that I could actually go out and I was meeting U.S. corporates in the U.S. I was meeting corporates in Ireland, so it meant that um, I probably. Develop skills uh, that wouldn't be traditional. And um, so I took the view that I actually wanted to step outside the bank and see what else I could do, you know? And that was when um, I. I, I basically it took me about a year and a half to actually come up with the e-learning idea. I spotted a gap in the market and opportunity and e-learning was just taking off. So um, I had already developed quite a number of skills within the banking environment. But what I found then moving in and actually starting a business by yourself, like the, some of the key challenges that were there were actually the isolation, you know, that you're there and you're at your own kitchen table, you know, and um, you don't have other people around you and other experts to actually bounce things off. Whereas when you come to a programme, such as the program I was talking about. There's other experts in the room, ready, uh, readily available to you. You know, so all of the other structures that you might have had once upon a time, now you can actually tap into them.
0: And is that something like like uh, Anne Donnelly mentioned there, Anne Horn, the, the the importance of having a network? I mean, is that something that you'd hope to build that that, that people doing this program will be able to reach out to people who female entrepreneurs who are already in business who might might be able to advise them or mentor them.
4: Uh, Absolutely. It it is one of the key things of this programme and most of the other programmes that we run, it's the network. And I suppose there's two networks there. There's the network that you form within the group that you're working with um, and then there is the very broad range of contacts that we have at the Academy. So we have networks of of very senior females and and males who will act as mentors for the programme. And we will run networking events where we will bring in a much wider group of people. So, okay, you might only have the 10 companies on the programme, but for evening events and networking events, you could have 100, 200 people in the room. So there'll be lots of opportunity and it's mm. all about people doing business with people, isn't it?
0: <laughs> and and, and mm. why do you think our graduates, you, you know, like, like why are so many male graduates you, you're saying are prepared to start up their own business, take the risk to do that and yet female entrepreneurs certainly until now haven't been?
4: Yes, um, it, I don't know is the answer. Um, I I suppose, one, um, maybe it's a fear of failure is part of it. Um, And I think also for programmes like ours, one of the issues is females just don't put themselves forward. They think maybe they wouldn't have the skills or the expertise. But when we actually call for female applicants... We get them in the hundreds, so it's, it's like they have to be invited. One of the things that we're really hoping is that by running a program like this for maybe two or three years that it just wouldn't be needed anymore, that you know, it's some kind of an intervention that means that in future men and women will be setting up business in equal numbers and availing of the supports and that you wouldn't need this type of intervention
0: what, hmm. what type of attributes do you think and only are needed for people to go out and you know take that step out of the the comfort zone of you know, of being in a structure of being in a large organization and going and saying they're going take to do it step. themselves
3: yeah yeah um, i think part of it is is that you you know it, it really helps if you have a vision in your head that you would actually like to actually have your own business you know and uh, and that because that can actually drive you forward you know that's what actually takes you over the the hard times and times when you know you're not going to have finances coming in or whatever you know and um because the rewards are there you know and you know if you're prepared to work hard in a large organization well you're going to work hard for yourself and you know and, and you're going to you're going to start reaping the benefits you know but I, I think in terms of the male, female, and why haven't more women come forward you know um I think some of it actually goes back to you know guys from the time that they're very small are encouraged to you know go out there do things and you know and and fend for themselves a lot and women you know we are a lot more I think cosseted and it is part of our background part of our culture you know and I actually I think from an entrepreneurial viewpoint if we had even more entrepreneurial spirit within the schooling system you know where in schools the whole idea is is that having your own business and running your own business is an absolutely achievable aspiration you know and you don't have to be born with the kind of entrepreneurial gene you know basically anybody can do this and it's just really you know having the dream and sort of going for it really I think.
0: And how have you found the mix of people applying, Anhorn, uh, for, for, for this program? Y- you know, like uh, we do mm. know, like when we're writing about startups, it tends to be, you know, they're very male dominated, uh, mm-hmm. founded by, you know, either a male CEO or two, two, two male founders. I mean, I mean, have you found that in the tech space that you you've found a lot of people coming forward who maybe mightn't have?
4: Uh, I'm absolutely astounded by the, the quality and the number of applications. Like These are all female-led businesses. Some of them are all female teams and others are a mix, but they, but they have to have a female lead. They are in the technology sector, which we always thought there were very few. They're food companies, they're health companies, um, and the, uh, quite a wide range, but pre- predominantly those three sectors. They're, they're high growth, You know they, they have the ability to create jobs, and we're very excited by it.
0: And mm. And Donnelly, you mentioned there your own company, Darling Cocktails. Mm. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about how that company is doing at the moment?
3: Uh, well, we're doing, well, actually, we're doing really, really well. I was ex- just saying to Anne earlier, um, if you think of that we actually got the bottle into our hand um, in 2012, or sorry, 2013, it's just the, year, the years are <laughs> actually flying in. And um, we are now, we literally went into 100 super value stores uh, two days before Christmas. Thursday before Christmas and um, there was so little time to actually uh, do any promotion or anything else that you you just couldn't do promotions there weren't even signs on the shelves saying special offer price or anything and we've sold I think it's 30% of the stock in the couple of days and that was nationwide and some of the best sellers were actually in like Donegal, Kerry, Cork you know, in places that um, sort of much, you know, rural locations, you know. So it's doing really well. We've had a fantastic response. We did over 12,000 tastings all last year. Um, we launched at the wedding fair in the RDS in January uh, 2013, did the wedding fair again in September. And, um, and But then we built this business primarily for export, like, who would actually have launched um, a, a luxury cocktail business in a recession in January in <laughs> Ireland, you know? So we built this for our export, and uh, we have agents now in... Um uh, Middle East, Far East, Australia, and we now have interest now out of the West Coast U.S. So we, we think we, 2014 should be the year that we actually now get into export markets. So oh,
0: look, that's great to hear. And uh, just fi- just finally, on uh, for people who've missed out on entering this programme, uh, like when is the next time uh, that there's going to be a, an application round or where could they go to find out more?
4: Um, well, certainly they can go to our website, which is ryanacademy.ie. Uh, I would hope to run this programme annually, so we would possibly be putting out a call uh, later this year. Uh, but we will be running a lot of networking events and other events for females at the Academy, so you know, there will be lots of opportunities to participate, even if not on this programme.
0: Well, Anne Horan, Chief Executive of the DCU Ryan Academy for Entrepreneurs and Anne Donnelly, Co-Founder of Darling Cocktails. Thanks for coming on the Irish Times uh, Inside Business podcast. Great,
3: Tom. Thanks Thank very, very much. much. Thank Thank you. You. Thanks, guys.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's it for Inside uh, Business, uh, presented by myself, Tom Lyons. Uh, the producer was Sinead O'Shea and sound engineering was by Rob O'Sullivan.